uh, it's my honor, my absolute honor to welcome Nurse Leslie Rossi to the Hair Radio Morning Show. Uh, Leslie, Nurse Leslie, we're going to call you this morning. Uh, you're on the <laughs> Hair Radio fine. Morning Show uh, with Lasonia Nicole and me, Carrie Hines. How are you? How are you, Nurse I'm Leslie? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm, I'm very honored to be on your show. So good morning. I, I'm, I'm we're glad to have I, you. I was looking yes. at you guys before I got on, and you guys have a great thing going here, so I'm happy to be part of it. Ah, oh, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Listen, we've got to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill the background music here because we've got to jump right on in. There's so much going on uh, these days, and um, you know, Leslie, Nurse Leslie, just tell us a little bit about Barbicide. Now you're the ED, you're the education director for Barbicide, and this yep. is, uh, you know, known everywhere. Everybody knows Barbicide. But can you just, you know, for those few who may not be as familiar, what can you tell us about Barbicide and its importance right now? So I came to Barbicide. I came to the company, King Research, that manufactured Barbicide about 11 years ago. Um, as, as you already referenced, I'm a nurse. And uh, came to the company, not really sure what my message would be to this industry. And for the last 11 years, I have been out saying, you know, something like this is going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's going to happen. We've got to be prepared. And maybe some of your listeners have heard me at uh, conventions or read from the textbooks that I've written for, or um, I may have come into some of your schools and taught classes to your students. Um, and I've been preaching that, you know, we really need to be on top of our game when it comes to infection control. And it's unfortunate that it took something like COVID-19 to really get everyone to pay attention and to even have the consumer understand it almost as well as most of our licensees do the, the difference between cleaning and disinfection, the importance of properly disinfecting things, even things like PPE. You know, if I said that to any consumer six months ago, they wouldn't have understood it, but they do today. Exactly. And so Barbicide right. as the leading product in this industry that was really designed for the professional beauty industry um, as a disinfectant, in 1947, which is kind of shocking to me that the formula hasn't changed since 1947, and we've wow. been effective against literally everything that has come. When HIV came, yes, we were effective against it, um, you know, and here we are with um, COVID-19, and yes, we're effective against it. So it's kind of amazing that a product designed in Brooklyn in 1947. Brooke, yay, um, is, Brooklyn, of course, yeah. the best thing to come out of Brooklyn. <laughs> let me just say that. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. And sorry about it, that. You know, and it's manufactured in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, of all places. But, um, you know, right. Barbicide is important because Barbicide was designed for this industry. When you talk about disinfectants, not all disinfectants are created the same. One of the things we're constantly being aware of is the fact that all of you have, for example, expensive shears expensive equipment that you purchase that you don't want it to get ruined. So we're, as a company, we walk that line for you of disinfecting properly, but also allowing you to keep your you know, nice, good equipment, your sharp shears, all of those things in good condition. So things like putting in rust inhibitors that you wouldn't find, for example, in bleach. So it is an important product in this industry right now. So wow. now I will say this. We this have been it. selling into healthcare in the hospitals. So about two, we sold into hospitals for a couple of weeks, sort of in the interim when everybody shut down and <clears throat> we were still making product. I, I, I feel proud to say that as a nurse that we did sell into healthcare for a while, um, but we will be ready when everybody's ready to go back to work. We're ready to, you know, to provide you with product. 
wonderful. Now, I've got to say, you also, uh, the barbershop, I happen to be on social media like all of our fans and show followers, and I yeah. saw the certification information on Barbicide. Right. Can you tell our listeners about that? So about probably seven years ago, um, I had an idea that I was going on to all of these schools, and I, I realized that for every school I could get to and, and do a presentation, there were 10 that wanted me to come, and I couldn't get there. So we developed this Barbicide certification originally for the schools, and it was it's free of charge. It takes about 40 minutes, you've probably done it. It maybe doesn't even take that long. Yeah. And it's really right. um, basic information. You know, one of the things I try to go out and remind when I go to a state government and try to help them re- revise their rules, or when I go and train instructors in a state, when I go and speak to a big audience, I try to remind people this isn't rocket science. It's actually pretty simple. And I think um, some of the rules in some of our states and some of um, our textbooks even have made it more complicated than it needs to be. It's a pretty simple process to make your service as safe as possible using the right products and doing it correctly is really actually simple. So the process certification is that simple knowledge that you need to do everything as safely as you can. And yes, it was designed for students who are going through school, but what I've discovered through all of this is that it's a really good refresher for somebody, you know, maybe you got out of school 20 years ago and you just want to make sure that you're doing the right thing. You know, now things are so scary. You want to make sure that you're doing the right thing. So going back and doing, taking this 40-minute class, it's free of charge. You get to print a certificate at the end of it that, you know, people are posting, hanging their certificates up and framing their certificates and all kinds of things. Uh, because here's the other thing. You need a refresher, but you need to let your clients know that you did a refresher. Because yes, yes. afraid as you might be to go back to work, your clients are really afraid to come back into um, the barber shop or the salon. They are nervous. And so anything you can do to make them feel better about what you're doing and having a certificate posted says, I did this thing. I, I went and got this little extra reminder of you know, what I already, maybe already knew. Now, Nurse Leslie, let me just, if you've just joined us, uh, you're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines with my co-star and co-host, LaSonia Nicole, and our very special guest that you're listening to is Nurse Leslie. Now, she is the ED, the Education Director for Barbicide, uh, and we're so excited to have you on with us, talking about so so many important things right now. Uh, I have to say, in preparation for the interview today, uh, Nurse Leslie, uh, we had a brief conversation. I really want you to kind of bring this point home about the disproportionate number of cases uh, with regards to minorities and men of color. Can you just kind of share some of those stats and some of the information you were kind of introducing me to, which I found fascinating? Well, I don't think it's um, any surprise to anyone um, because if you live in a community um, of color, you've heard it already, right? You've heard in your community that, um, first off, men in general, are way more susceptible to dying from this than women, you know, across any type of ethnic group. But then when we start talking Mm. about men of color, that number skyrockets. And part of the reason for that, and the main reason from a nursing perspective I can tell you for that, is that color and and traditionally um, are not the best, I will say this, about going to a doctor, let's say, for a regular checkup. Most of the time I go to the doctor when I'm sick. And the problem with that approach to healthcare is that the, the two things that make somebody the most susceptible to this disease 
or hypertension or high blood pressure and diabetes, both of which have very, very silent symptoms. You know, you often hear them called the silent killer because your symptoms are so mild you don't even feel them. So if you are that man and you're having symptoms that you're not even recognizing as, uh, as making you potentially diabetic or hypertensive, and you now get COVID-19, your likelihood of dying is much, much higher. So it's not because you're of color. It's not because of a community that you live in. It's because you have an underlying condition that you didn't know you had. Uh, That's really the generalized theory of why it's hitting disproportionately um, in in those particular communities. Um, Now, I will say that's also increased if you live in a community where people live very close together. It's why New York City is having such a problem. I have a son that lives in New York exactly. City, and, you know, everybody lives on top of each other, literally on top of literally. each other. Literally. That's and right. So many times, <laughs> That's right. You know, it's hard to socially distance when everybody lives so close together. It's why in the middle of the country, um, in the Midwest, I live in the Midwest, you don't see as many numbers. We don't live close together. We all, you know, we, we keep our distance from each other. That's how our normal lifestyle is. So you will see those numbers go down also um, or up disproportionately depending on how you live. So. Wow. Well, I tell you, this is really just information uh, that you can't really find uh, out there so much, like with the, this particular discussion point, and I love this. Um, Nurse Leslie, can you talk a little bit? One of the biggest reasons for having you on the show today is that the when you turn on the news, you hear that the the salons. Well, first of all, you hear that the states are about to kind of open back up and and start rolling out an uh, a way to kind of bring the country back up, if you will, economically speaking, at least. Right. So they're trying to reopen the shops, reopen the states, reopen, get back to some sense of normalcy, if you will, some sense. Um, So this is a real part of the conversation. The salons, the barbershops that are out there, uh, what are your thoughts? And, and, And let me just also say this, Nurse Leslie, the governors around our country are calling you. They're calling you. They're consulting with you. Talk a little bit about that and what kind of a plan. Do you think uh, we need to take uh, to consider? <laughs> yes, they're calling well, you. Laugh. You're the I'm go-to. Not, I'm only laughing because um, I, I think everybody has a misconception, perhaps, that there is some master plan that's going on. And I will tell you, the states are trying mm. very diligently to get a plan together. But you know, we've, we've not no one's ever been here before. Like we've never been in this space before, and there would not have been a way to have planned for this. I mean, I, we can get as mad as, as we want about whatever did or didn't happen up till today, but no one's ever been in this position of having to create a guideline for literally reopening their entire economy. Who goes first? Does a restaurant open first? Does a barbershop open first? What order do we open things in? And when we open them, what are the guidelines that we can put in place? And some states are restrained by the fact that to even put a temporary rule in place, they have to have legislation. So some states can only give guidelines for when you reopen, and some states can actually make temporary rules. So depending what state you're in, um, particularly as a, a barber or a stylist, you may have some temporary rules in place, but you may just have temporary guidelines. And one of the things I've been talking with governors about, um, with governor's offices, I should say, when they call and ask for my recommendations, I had a governor's office ask me the other day, they said, if you could make one temporary rule, what would it be? 
And I said, the one temporary rule I would make, which barbers may ruffle their feathers a little bit about, but hear me out, is that I think that all services in this industry, at least in the short term, should be scheduled. They should not allow walk-ins anymore. And the reason for that is that, remember, no one's had a haircut, legally at least, <laughs> for the last few <laughs> months in most states, right? And right. So the first day that you open up, what we do not want is we do not want 50 people standing in your waiting area, shoulder to shoulder, waiting for their turn to get their haircut. First off, that's a problem. Secondly, if that pressure is on you as, let's say, the barber or the stylist to turn that chair so quickly, you are not taking the time to properly disinfect in between each client, as was already the rule in your state, but is really important now. And I have been referencing what happened in South Dakota. If you don't watch the news, you may not have heard this, but South Dakota, they had less than 100 cases in the entire state. And one sick worker who had no symptoms, none at all, went to work at a Smithfield mm. pork processing plant. Oh, yes, And now yes, 400 yes. people, 400 people within a few days now have COVID-19 wow. in South Dakota, mm. of all places, right? So mm. I think we need to look at those examples and say people with no symptoms do carry, do carry this and do pass it on. I had a governor's office yesterday call me. And what they wanted to do was buy thermometers, the ones you scan someone's uh, forehead with, and make, they right, wanted to make right. every barbershop and every stylist use that. And my whole point to that was, well, that's kind of dumb. Because if you have a fever, you're already sick, right? I can just ask you if you feel feverish. I mean, you already have a fever. I'm not worried about right. that person. That person can acknowledge to me that they're sick. It's the person that has no symptoms, that's walking in, mm. thinks they're fine, and might be spreading it that I'm worried about. So. I, I do think that there are some things that are going to go into place that may make sense, some things that won't. I'm not a big fan of, for example, gloves, making people wear gloves. I'm a fan of hand Oh. And I, and I think that gloves become a problem because if you are not somebody who, as a profession, wears their gloves on, you know, I'm, as a nurse, if I walked into your room and I already had my gloves on, you would look at me like, what are you doing? You know, you would expect me to walk in. <laughs> with my hands and clean, wash my hands in the sink and then put on gloves before I touch you because I could have been out touching everybody else with the same pair of gloves on. You have no way of knowing. And mm. gloves will be in short supply. And I have a feeling what we'll see is people will put on one pair of gloves and wear them all day long, which is worse than not wearing gloves at all and just washing. Wow. In my opinion, hand washing is what we need to get in the habit of. You know, barbers typically have a sink right next to their chair. Why wouldn't you, in front of your consumer, wash your hands before you start a service so you're, you don't even have to say anything. You're demonstrating I'm doing the right thing. If you, at the end of a service, when you're done with your clippers, for example, you, where your consumer is still sitting there, your client's still sitting in the chair, you take your clippers, you get the hair out of them with a trash can, and you make a spray of, let's say, clipper side right over the clippers, that's and right. you say to your customer, I'm getting this ready for the next client. And what you're telling them is, I did this before you sat down. I disinfected these clippers before you got in my chair. And those are all of the things that I think you can do to make somebody feel more secure. But the question was reopening. I don't know the answer to that. Um, people are asking for guidelines. My guess, my best guess is we will see some states, particularly in the middle of the country, the Midwest, start to um, – reopen um, around the first part of May. I live in Kansas City. We just got another stay-at-home order until May 15th. So I, I don't know you know, wh where that will go in each individual 
city or state. Um, but I think by the end of May, we will probably see most states reopening, and it will go into barbershops and salons, and people just need to be, you know, ready to do that. You've got all the time to get prepared, so. <laughs> and ready for ready. just about any kind of scenario is my point. You, we don't know yes. what's going to happen, right, Nurse Leslie? Uh, so I am I'm definitely a believer that uh, now that this has happened, and as you have pointed out at the top of the interview, uh, that this has been something that you kind of you had a good feeling was going to happen, sadly, and yeah, it has come to sadly. fruition, and, and it's our reality. And, uh, hey, I've got to turn it over to my co-star. <laughs> Lasonia <laughs> Nicole, I know you are chomping at the bit. Um, and you have some questions for Nurse Leslie. You go ahead, jump on in. Wow. You know, it was really, you know, we were talking earlier about the whole walk-in process. So just to listen to, you know, her feedback with the walk-ins yes. as far as highly suggesting that no salon uh, take walk-ins at this point in time was just very, very informative. And even with the way that, uh, you know, she came about and, you know, it comes down to that time essence or uh, issue. Do you think, mm -hmm. uh, Nurse Leslie, that salons can ever go back to, you know, the, you know, prior to February of 2020, you know, format where, you know, there isn't, you know, where you can come to a point of taking walk-ins mm. and having that full salon again? Or is it, you know, traditional salon media business as normal? Is it kind of out the window? Or do you think that we can actually return to that? You no, know, I don't, I'm not sure on that question because I think that there will be things that will indelibly change in our lives. I think that handshakes exactly. will go away. I'm not a fan mm. of handshakes. If you've ever heard me speak, I say I would rather kiss someone than shake their hand. <laughs> Because it's not, okay. you know, you don't put your lips where you put your hands. And so, um, but my husband prefers that I didn't do either, so I just don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I think some uh, will good. indelibly change. And I think, you know, it's interesting. I was telling Terry um, when I spoke to him the other day, just a very mm -hmm. simple conversation I had with my own husband. And I asked him, what do you think it's going to be like when you go back to get your hair cut the first time? And he thought about it for a second. And I said, what do you expect it to be like? And he said, well, I expect them to be wearing a mask. And I said, mm. what if they don't? And he said, well, I'll get my hair cut, but I probably won't come back. And oh, wow. I think what we're going to see happening is that what the state is requiring of you in terms of how you manage your, your clients, how you manage um, your, your health and public safety, your infection control, that is going to be a minimum standard. But I think the consumer now is so much more aware of their surroundings, of how, how something should be, what it should look like, that that's going to drive you to do things differently. I think if your consumer says to you, I'm not comfortable sitting in a waiting room with 20 people, or I want you to disinfect that station before I come sit in that chair, I want you to take do that, you're going to start doing that because that's what's going to drive your business. You know, one of the things that Carrie and I did talk about briefly yesterday is that Barbershops, um, in particular, are like a social gathering place, you know. And I, I feel oh, yeah. kind of sad because I, I feel like men, that's their place, right? That, that that's, men don't that's have right. as many avenues as women do to sit and talk and have those conversations. And it makes me sad that that could go away. But it may just turn into something different, right? It may become a different way of doing it um, over time. But I do not see the walk-in 
concept becoming popular again, at least until we have a vaccine in place. Um, you know, somebody asked me yesterday, we don't shut down the city or the country when we have the flu. And the flu kills 50,000 Americans every year. And we don't shut down the country for the flu. But the difference here is even with all that we did with shutting down the country, with social distancing, with everything mm -hmm. we did, 60,000 people will still die. And if we hadn't done mm -hmm. that, it would have been millions of people. So we have right. to look at this realistically and say, we did what we had to do. And as we go back, some things might change, but they might, it may be a good change. It may be good for everybody. So I don't see the wow. walking scene a thing for a while. If a state mandates it, um, I certainly don't think they'll undo it for a while. Well, listen, I have to say, folks, uh, again, if you've just joined us, we're on with Nurse Leslie, who is the Education Director for Barbicide. Now, you do a lot of work, and, and of course, my co-star, Lasonia Nicole, let me just make sure I get her in on this as well. You do a lot of work for the PBA. You have done some Milady updates. Can you talk to us a little bit about that real quick while we let everybody know if you have a question? Uh, we're going to try to get your question on press one if you would like to ask a question. We'll see if we can get you on. But, uh, yes, talk okay. about some of the work that you do with the PBA and with Milady. Well, uh, my job, when people ask me what I do, it's uh, sort of like a, drawing a big diagram of all the different, how everything intersects. And <laughs> yes. Luckily for me, everything does intersect. Um, so besides being education director um, for Barbicide, what that has allowed me to do is several different things. I um, have written for both Milady and Pivot Point, um, of the vast majority in, in Milady yeah. world, all of their science content, infection control, skin structures and disorders, um, all those chapters most people don't like. Um, I wrote them. And um, <laughs> I have gone out to almost every state and helped them revise their infection control or health and public safety rules. Um, in regards to this segment of um, the, the profession, of the industry. The, probably the most important thing that I do, I mean, I have been doing things with PBA. I've been doing um, podcasts for different groups. But probably the most important thing for this group that I do is I've been really um, a big advocate in, in, in this whole deregulation argument so that when bills mm. are introduced in states to deregulate this industry, I'm the one that tries to go and help um, shore that up so that we don't end up being deregulated, that this stays a licensed profession. Mm. Um, wow. And one of the things I'm struggling with a little bit right now is that uh, some people in this profession are being a little penny-wise and pound-foolish, as I would call it. Um, you know, we're seeing, like, on social media, people offering, hey, come by my house or my shop, and I'll give you your color mix. I'll mix up your color, and I'll give you a piece of paper that tells you how to do it. You know, that will come back to bite all of us in the long run when uh -huh. the deregulation arguments start again because what we keep telling your governments of your state is these chemicals are professional grade. They need You need to go to school to learn how to use them. You need exactly. to get a license to safely use them. But if you're going to hand them to someone and say, go home and do it, I can't make that argument yourself. anymore. And so I understand everyone's looking for a way to, you know, put food on their table. But some of what's going on, you know, doing haircutting tutorials for somebody over the Internet. All of those kinds of things make it much harder when we go back a year from now, let's say, and someone's trying to deregulate your industry. I, they're going to say, well, people were doing it that whole time, and nobody died. That's what they're going to say. Nobody got exactly. sick. Nobody got hurt. And so I think um, I'm very big into that, that um, conversation, 
and I would like to see that we use this. Here's what I'd like to see. I would like to see that all the professionals out there, instead of us continuing to say, I can do a safe service, let's be realistic. You cannot do a totally safe service. If you do everything perfectly, if you barbicide the whole wide world, you're still closer than six feet to every single person that you're cutting their hair, doing their nails. All, all, everything right. in this industry is within six feet. So instead of wow. saying, I can do a safe service, which you and your consumer know isn't true, say, I understand there's risks, I under, and you understand there's risks, but I'm going to do my best to mitigate those risks, to make it the safest service possible. Look at all the things I'm doing to do that for you. And let's be honest. Let's just own that there is some risk right now because of this viral illness. Let's own it. And then let's have an honest conversation with our consumers and with the people who regulate us. Exactly. Now, I think we have Ambassador CJ. I'm going to say we can squeeze her in. We're kind of, um, she has been uh, – she's one of our Fridays. We do a roundtable with hair folks every Friday live yeah. in the middle of our show. And CJ is one of our leading ambassadors. She joins us on the show from time to time. And when she heard you guys – the barbershop was going to be on the show, she just fell out. Uh, CJ, are you with us? Ambassador CJ, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. Yes, I am. You're on live with okay? everybody, so go ahead. Hi. I'm just hey. Leslie. How you doing? I'm good. Thank okay, you. so I had um, I had a few questions. I'm going to see if I can get as many answered as possible. Yeah, so pick your favorite one. So one of the things one. that I want to ask, my favorite one is um, yeah. the difference between cleansing with soap and water versus ship shape. Okay. What what so is your recommendation on that? Well, they're both cleaners, all right? And so they're both going to do that first step of getting that, that surface ready and prepared to be disinfected. The difference is, is that um, anything that bubbles, so if you think like soap, has surfactant in mm-hmm. it, and it has, it's more likely, if you don't rinse it off, to um, make your disinfectant not work as well. Let's put it that way. So, um, like, if you use something like a ship-shape cleaner, any kind of a that cleaning step, it's less likely to interfere with how the disinfectant works. But are, they're arguably both cleaning steps. If you do use soap and water, you absolutely have to get it rinsed before you put it in the disinfectant. Excellent okay. question. Thank you very much. Now, I have to say, Nurse Leslie, there is, and I want to make sure this is out there, there is a back-to-work plan that's available at barbicide.com. Barbicide.com. Can you talk a little bit about that document? I love this. It's a PDF, which is good to read, you know, about six pages. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, So I had a lot of questions, as you might guess, people saying, people nervous. When I go back, what do I do? Like, how do I be prepared? So um, I wrote this back-to-work document. I got input. um, I sent it out to several people in different disciplines. I sent it out to a barber. I sent it out to some barber people, some um, stylists, some nail people, some estheticians, and said, am I missing anything here? And it's a checklist that lets you determine what you need to do before you go in. So let's say your governor says you can go back to work next Friday. So on Wednesday, you want to go in and you want to get your um, salon ready to go. And it gives you all the things that you should be focusing on, almost like a, I did this, a self-checklist of what you did to be prepared. It's things you might not be thinking of, like throwing away magazines, right? We don't want people holding a magazine and then setting it down and someone else picks it up. Not right now. 
Um, mm. What mm. things need to be cleaned? What things need to be disinfected? Maybe if you have a coffee service station, you move that back into another area where you are the one that goes and gets coffee for everybody. We don't have everybody touching it. Things like that um, are things that I've kind of given thought to and, and put into this. And then there's a section called going forward. And going forward is, all right, now I'm open and I have clients again. And what are the best practices? Not just what does my state require of me, that minimum guideline. What are the things I really should be thinking about on a daily basis? Um, and then the very end of it is um, like a letter that you could send out as an email to your clients as you prepare to go back that says, here's what I've done to make you safe. You could put it on a sign and stick it in your window. You could do whatever you want with it, but it's something that says to your client, I know you're nervous about coming back here. I'm a little bit nervous about coming to work. <laughs> so here's what we're doing to make it as safe as possible. Now, on Monday of next week, it should be posted. I'm doing some consumer-facing education um, that will be on our website as well. It'll be things like <clears throat> little tables, tent things like you might see in a hotel that say, you know, so-and-so cleaned your room. These would be little table tents that maybe you would put on your station that say, my station was disinfected, you know, before your service. Or um, something you might hang on a bathroom like mm. that says, here's all the things we're doing. So while I'm washing my hands, I can read it. Here's all the things we're doing to keep you safe. You know, please let us know if we're out of paper towels or we're out of liquid soap. Um, feel free to ask me a question about what I'm doing. I think this needs to not be a pink elephant in the room anymore. I think if a consumer right. wants to ask you what you're doing to make them safe, they need to not feel like they're offending you by asking that question. So Absolutely. Um, I think I think, the, I think all of these, this is intended to start that conversation and make it feel comfortable for both the, the client and for the stylist. And this was well, me, real quick. Yeah. When can we expect the certification kit to be back in stock? That I don't know the answer to. I knew you were going to ask that question. Okay. I should have figured that out. <laughs> so let me tell you, I have got the most blessed job in the whole wide world. I get to do what I love doing, which is educating people. The thing right. I loved about being a nurse was going and talking to a patient and taking something really complicated and trying to make it really simple and understandable. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love doing. What I don't love doing is, you know, like the whole buying things, ordering things. Like I try to stay out of that, and I should have oh, that behind question the somebody. scenes. So I, uh -huh. so I do not know that. Somebody the other day asked me how much something costs on a radio thing, and I said I have no idea. My boss would die, but well, I nurse, have no idea. Nurse Rossi, <laughs> let me jump in and say thank you to you uh, for being on the show today. You are just outstanding, and we're going to have you back soon on the Hair okay. Radio Morning Show with uh, a follow-up to this uh, incredible interview today. And yeah, also just want to remind folks we're – I'm, I'm absolutely. happy to answer questions we're gonna, if you want to get them together. And, and talk to us at Hair Radio. We'll get them over to Nurse Leslie. Uh, again, thank you so much. And the folks at Barbicide, go to barbicide.com for that amazing uh, back-to-work plan and all of the wonderful work that you guys are doing over there. We love it. You are just, you're on the front line. You're doing some amazing work, and we thank you from the Hair Radio Morning thank Show. Thank you. So, uh, and Right, and to all of our amazing uh, listeners, and CJ, thank you for that question, and all the folks out there, uh, this is just the beginning. We're going to continue with all of this um, on our shows and on our upcoming shows, I should say, and thanks so much for being with us. Okay, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Uh, 
Beautiful Hair Products is formulated for those with kinky, curly, wavy, beautifully textured hair right here in the United States. Hi, my name is Renee Michelle Floyd, creator of Beautiful Hair Products. Did you know that our hair actually thrives in moisture? For more information, please visit our website at www.beautifulhairproducts.com.